Hello once again, Internet. If you are listening to my voice right now, you are listening to the Made Men Tell No Tales podcast. For it is a fine, fine podcast that comes out occasionally because we get busy and then forget to do it. But yeah. from now on, we're going to try and record this every week. I make no promises, but I make you a commitment that I will at least attempt to. We'll try. We'll try. And I am Coda Vance, as always, and who is this other mysterious voice? I am the mysterious Adam Barrett, who's not really that mysterious. Yes. And each week we bring you news, not really news, we bring you reviews of films. Entertainment. Entertainment, things like this. And as always, if you'd like to email us, Made Men Tell No Tales, with dots between the words, at gmail.com. Or you could just go to our website, madeventelltales.blogspot.com, and you could email us from there. And you'll also get links to all the important things that we talk about. So, uh, I know last time we said we were going to review No Country for Old Men, but I kind of reconsidered that just because there's so much criticism and analysis out of, out, of it out there. It's Cormac McCarthy. It, it's not yeah. worth it. It will just be slammed by uh, people with different opinions. It, it He's a very divisive author, and that's a very divisive movie. I think everything that can be said, either positive or negative, about that movie has pretty much been said. So we're kind of nagging on that. Uh, but we did see a movie a few days ago. We actually went to a theater and saw this. Uh, which it's current. It's somewhat current. Um, it's from just a little bit last year, so but almost this year. And it's directed by Jason Reitman, and it stars George Clooney in Vera Farmiga and... Uh, Anna Kendrick, and it's called Up in the Air. Now, um, this movie actually has been getting a fair amount of critical sort of buzz around it, a lot of buzz about Oscars, things like this, um, and a lot of critical acclaim, very high average on Metacritic 83, which is for a wide-release film pretty big. So what's this about, Adam? I'm going to let you handle the story synopsis. Is, is um, basically, George Clooney's character um, is a person who tries to kind of dissociate himself from every kind of identity or commitment he's ever had. He constantly tries to get away from these things, and this is actually reflected in his job. His job is to fly around the, basically fly around the United States and fire people for a living. Yeah, he 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 works for a firm that basically they're basically a contractor firm, but they're contracted to fire people. Nice. Yeah. So it's a movie that's sort of set in the midst of, it's very, very contemporary, set in the midst of, you know, the sort of economic recession that's going on right now. Um, And as things always happen in movies like this about this sort of character, he meets somebody who's played by Vera Farmiga, he meets her on a plane ride, and they sort of form a connection there. It initially just starts off as sort of a casual affair sort of thing, but it kind of starts to deepen as the movie goes along. And the other thing that's happening with George Clooney's character is that his boss, who's played by Jason Bateman, who of Arrested Development infamy, mm-hmm. uh, is, has decided that his, uh, George Clooney's sort of uh, position is no longer relevant because the uh, younger character, who's sort of his protege, played by Anna Kendrick, has developed a system for firing people where they use uh, tele- uh, televoice conference call uh, and webcams, so it's a little cheaper for the company to do it, so they're going to introduce this to sort of cut down on costs when people flying around the country. Yeah. So that's the way it starts off, and it's a, it's a fairly 
sort of basic premise. Uh, this kind of character is familiar in a lot of movies. We, yeah, the complete jerk who isolates himself. Well, I don't think he's really a complete Well, jerk. no, that's the interesting thing. He's is that not like a... That's the kind of interesting part I found about the movie, at least initially, is that this guy, he's not portrayed as, like, amoral or a bad person because he does this, like, in a lot of other movies you see like this. Like, uh, a typical example of, of a typical thing you would have done with that. Do you remember that Nicolas Cage movie? It's a pretty bad movie, The Family Man. Yeah, okay. Where he I played the workaholic yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, I, I can see some usually parallels with they, that. Usually they, they depict him as kind of a bad person who's neglectful of, of relationships. But here, he seems like, you know, a, a guy who's, you know, pretty much got it figured out. He he knows what he's doing. He figures out, you know, what he wants in life and what he wants, you know, isn't sort of these connections and, and ideas like yeah. that. And he's, you know, he's not mean towards anyone, really. He's no. basically a nice person. He, he tries to comfort everyone who he fires, which is interesting. But at the same time, he can take a, so much criticism and stuff and just shrug it off, which kind of indicates that it's not so much him being cold or cynical. It's just that he might just be afraid or feel that he can't connect with people, which is kind of hinted at later in the movie. Exactly, exactly. Because on the poster of this, which is a very good poster, I like the poster a lot, it says, you know, the story of a man trying to make a connection. Yeah. And that's ultimately what it is as the movie goes along. But I think it's kind of interesting that the the character here, he's he's not portrayed as, as bad for having the lifestyle he has. It's just, that's the way he is. It's different from the way other people are. And people do criticize him about it during the movie, particularly the Anna Kendrick character. Who travels along with, with him them. because he demands that she see his work and at least know what it's like to fire someone before Boy. recommending this technology. Exactly. So it's kind of interesting in that respect. Now, the way we're talking about it now makes this movie sound sort of it's a it's kind of like a serious drama. It's it's not really it, at least initially no. It no. starts off as kind of a light drama but mostly yeah. kind of comedy. Very uh, Jason Reitman-esque, you know, yeah. indie music, light-hearted feel to it, that yeah. kind of thing. Jason Reitman, uh, just for people who don't know, he's directed three movies. He's made Thank You for Smoking, which is a movie with Aaron Eckhart in it. I think that's a pretty good movie. He's made yep. Juno, which is was a big hit. Uh, I have mixed feelings on it. I think it's okay. And he's also made this movie. Now, um, he, he in generally in all of his movies, he's got sort of this interesting... Uh, tonal quality to them, where they're all they all have light drama but also comedy. Like they're basically, I don't want to use the stupid word dramedy because that's a really dumb word and it denotes. People who like combine words together need to get the sources. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I hate portmanteaus. I hate them so much, but <laughs> but no cultural uh, rage. Cultural rage. Um, but it's not. I think this is probably his most. I know you haven't seen the other two. two have you, you haven't seen Thank You for Smoking Your Juno? No, sadly I have not. Okay. I think this is probably the most uh, fully formed of his three movies. I think it, it the total shifts aren't quite as jarring as they tend to be. Yeah. I found in Juno especially the, the total shifts between the comedy and the drama were really kind of jarring. Here I think he's got a really good command of tone. He knows when to go for the laugh and he also knows when to play it a little more serious. Yeah, and that could just be that he's becoming a much more experienced and mature director as well. Yeah, and I think his style, i it's very, I would say it's craftsman-like. He's not a, a flashy director. No, he's not Michael Bay. No, well, he's not even like that, but I, I don't think he, I think his direction is more in terms of how to work with actors, how to get performances out of people, because 
Uh, all the performances here are very good. Yeah. Clooney uh, especially, I Clooney found Clooney is really especially good. very good because it's kind of hard to portray this character because you could, again, as we were saying, not portray as a bad guy, but any uh, another actor could have kind of easily slid it in that direction. Yeah, you've it really required a balance that he wasn't too sentimental, but he also kept that kind of a, and kept that emotional distance without be appearing too much of a workaholic or too angry at people. Yeah, and he he really balances it well, and it also kind of helps that we know it's kind of in a, in a way sort of funny because this is a lot like. George Clooney is in real life. People yeah. are always saying, like, why, you know, is, has he ever married anyone, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, he, he's always aloof so, from everything. So, so. I, I kind of wonder if, if, if he, if, if the performance here is sort of authentic to that, or at least he's channeling some of his own experiences into yeah. this character. Because you can see, it, it's strange, because um, I think it's really good casting call, uh, because it really does kind of exemplify George Clooney. It, it, he appears like... This could be George Clooney if he wasn't a famous actor or something. Yeah, this, you can like, see him doing this. He kind of, I, I wouldn't say he disappears into the character. He's too much of a movie star to, to really disappear into his characters. But I think he he knows how to negotiate it fairly well. Yeah, definitely. Um, other performances in the movie, Vera Farmiga, people might remember her as the one girl in The Departed. Yeah. Um, but she's very good here. She is very good here. She, um... She le she lets him down interestingly too. Because well, that's not that's not spoil it for people. Yeah, that's not because there's a way the movie goes. You, you kind of think I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, there's a, you think the movie's kind of it, it's kind of going towards the logical conclusion of a movie like this. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of takes a left turn, and I think that left turn is really where the movie goes from. This is a pretty good movie. To this is something more interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, because, and I, I don't know if it's for better or for worse. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the movie, like I said, seems to be wrapping to a logical conclusion, and that kind of goes off in this different direction. And in a way, it actually kind of reminds me of No Country for Old Men. Because yeah. uh, a typical movie would have ended, I would say, in both of cases, a typical movie would have ended maybe three or four scenes earlier. Yeah, definitely. And he he's kind of resolving everything. But yeah. Then. Whereas in Up in the Air and No Country for Old Men. There are scenes after that, and there yeah. are, are, are additional parts which kind of add this sort of mysterious kind of elliptical or ambigu ambiguity to it. Yeah, I'd say there's an ambiguity to it, and there's uncertainty. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, is that and it's a really a movie about uncertainty. Yeah. It's about uncertainty in the face of the, the, econ the economics, because obviously he's, he's firing all these people, and these people don't know what they're yeah. going to do with their lives. They've been working at these companies for you know, 20, 30 years. It's a movie about uncertainties. It's a movie about where can you, where do you go when something you 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 want or that you've been connected to for so long goes away. Yeah. What can you do? And actually, on that note, let's um, talk about some of the themes, recurring themes, and things in here. Um, first off, the scenes where he's firing people, I, I really like that because. It looks authentic. It really does. And actually, even though they get some kind of comedy ringers in to do those firing scenes, like they have Zach Galifianakis and yeah. uh, J.K. Simmons <laughs> to do it, yeah, it's it still feels authentic. Like they're not overplaying it. In no, like you, it really, it's really heartbreaking because it's not like dramatic, over emotional no. kind of. It's sort of understated. But you can feel that there's a pain to these you, people. You can feel the pain here, and that that's one of the best parts about this movie is that. It really does shine through. Whenever someone, whenever there's a loss of just 
comfort and when you know someone's in pain, it's really visible. Yeah, and, and all the actors do it very well. And the interesting thing about this movie is I liked a lot of the location shooting that they did. Um, even if maybe they were on sets, I'm not exactly sure, but they could have been in real buildings. And they feel like real offices. And just like there's that shot when they walk into that the automotive office in Detroit. Yeah. By the way, Detroit is portrayed as a barren hellhole wasteland, which is pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to the people of Detroit I in advance. I don't care. I hate you, Detroit. <laughs> You're a terrible city, and no one should ever go go near you. But anyways, uh, anyway. The, there's that scene where they walk into there, and it's just there's chairs everywhere, but the the desks are all gone. Yeah. It's just, now that just gutted. That was another thing I liked about this movie because there were some scenes that were really surreal, almost. It, yeah, but they're surreal in a, in, a, in a way where it's like, yeah, that does make sense. Like, yeah, I've seen something like can, that before. You can picture it; it's authentic. It and it really convalesces all the feelings and uncertainty that you've been like yeah. feeling about this kind of thing, and throws it into one scene like for one of the best is that scene where there's only two desks in the room in the uh, room full of chairs and empty offices and stuff yeah and it's just this and it's very well I think uh, in, in some of his earlier movies Jason Reitman he had a very sort of workmanlike directing style wasn't very very flashy like I said but here he, he creates a lot of really nice looking images just yeah. in terms of the visual like there's that shot where it's just the it's on the poster too where George Clooney's just standing there and it's in the silhouette of him against the window with the planes going by. Yeah. Or that scene where um, Anna Kendrick gets on the the motorized uh, walkway at the yeah airport that was that was a really moves away and it's just it's very sort of haunting uh, imagery but not the sort of uh, a tip like a cliched kind of way it's it's like it's realistically. Uh, emotional. The it, way it's it's, it's almost scary in a way because you can you can picture it. It's it's weird like yeah. that, and it stays in your mind. Yeah, and it had like um, as I was talking about the kind of elliptical quality, the way the movie's written almost kind of reminded me of a certain, like a Raven Carver short oh, story. Oh, very much so. Like just in the fact that it's about people trying to connect with one another, trying to to find some sort of meaning in their lives. Yeah. And that was another theme, or sorry, go ahead and finish. No, that's all I was um, That's another theme that I found here, was that there was a, a large undercurrent about kind of social conventions and connecting with people in an age of electronics and stuff. Like, yeah. there's the one scene where um, both uh, Clooney's character and... Um, Beautiful media. Yes, uh, where they're both... Um, Trying to schedule what they're doing, and they both just flip up laptops. Laptops, and, and they're both yeah. And that seems funny, but then you also think, well, yeah, that does kind of make sense. Yeah. And then there's like a little more vulgarly, there's that scene where they're texting each other while they're in separate the different hotels. Yeah. Which is it's funny, but again, you sort of see the the way that technology it both it both connects them and kind of and splits them apart. You don't. No, there's the uncertainty that the technology brings. You don't know how to connect with people as much anymore. It's not just a fluid, natural kind of person-to-person thing. There's yeah. a barrier. It's it, impediments. It, it's ironic that it connects, but it also causes that barrier just between natural yeah. communication. And that's kind of – it's a very contemporary movie. Now, that there is a flaw with that, obviously. This movie may not work as well, let's say, five, ten years from now because it is very current. Very. And I would say, say this, see this as soon as you can because the themes are going to be more relatable. Things are going to make more sense. Definitely. Um, but 
I still think it'll be a good movie, even just from a sociological point of view, going back, like how we look at uh, movies from the 1930s today, certain, like, Kappa movies. Or, Definitely, to see like, kind of the undercurrents of the society like, at the time. what was going on, like, like I, in a way, it's almost kind of comparable to, to something like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, mm, where I can see that. Um, it's sort of just about what were the thematic uh, or the social concerns of the time, and here's what we're at now with Up in the Air. And, again, we're talking about this movie in a very serious way. And, again, I have to stress, it is, for probably the first half, very it's basically very lighthearted kind of farce. Well, maybe not farce. It's, it's not exactly a farce. No. But it's, but it's lighthearted. It's funny. There are dark undercurrents, but they're mostly sucked away. But then at, at, in the second half, it does kind of change. There are still laughs, but they're always sort of ambiguous Pained laughs as it yeah. goes along. It, it's the awkward kind of laugh like, where like, you know, you get on the like you get on something like The Office. Yeah, very much. Yep. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the awkward laugh that you try to do when you're trying to hide the fact that you're really hurting or something. Yeah, it's, and it's it's just the command. Of, I like the just the command of tone that Jason Reitman has here is very strong as a director and. Uh, he also wrote part of the screenplay. This movie is based on a novel by Walter Kern, which I, I haven't read. I might go I might go back and read it now. Although a lot uh, as I read reports about it, a lot of the economic stuff was added by Reitman. So yeah, which is kind of good in a sense because it really helps his argument. Yeah, yeah it really helps deepen the themes of the film. Um, now, uh, another thing I liked about the movie, especially now, Jason Reitman's known for having uh, kind of carefully selecting his soundtracks. Does that again here? Long yep. sort of not really much of a traditional score. There are a few little music cues here and there, but mostly this is uh, sort of actual songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, it's just a little wistful sort of uh, acoustic, yeah, uh, the indie, wisp- indie kind of stuff. And yeah. ca- sometimes that can annoy the crap out of me. Yeah, like I found that kind of overbearing in Juno. Yeah, but here I think it works because they're using it in sort of. Um, creative ways and they're, they're moving yeah. it over montages of cities going by and it's kind of cliched but it's sort of it's nice to sort of see that kind of film work yeah uh and that's one thing that that in a sense kind of irritated me a little bit during the movie is that you can see that kind of scene coming already and it's like oh this is kind of cliched especially for jason reitman kind of but the way he picks it up later in some of the scenes i think that counteracts the effect yeah, mostly. Yeah, because, it, again, as we said, it's moving towards one conclusion, and you think it's going to go one way, and then it goes the other way. And I, it kind of almost deepens. I'd like to see it again, just because now that I know how it ends, I'd like to see how it's sort of built up in the, in the previous yeah. scenes, where it's a little lighter. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of uh, the build-up in some scenes, I found that um, there were some interesting scenes where um, you go... It's almost kind of like taking a metaphorical role. Like, for instance, uh, when Clooney's uh, taking uh, the person he's mentoring out, uh, re- remember the scene where um, she, her, basically the uh, apprentice that Clooney's taken on uh, had oh, a fiancé. Oh, and her, she, yeah, and he dumped her over the phone. Yeah, it's interesting because then um, Clooney's character and his love interest actually kind of take her aside and talk to her all, and it, I found it almost like, 
a mother-father role kind of talking to their kid almost. Yeah, it very it was, much was. It was sort of this thing about the generational divide between these these three people. And, and it was like you had one generation directly talking to another generation. At the same time, it was almost like a mother and father kind of consoling her their daughter kind of thing. Yeah, it, was, it had that sort of interesting quality to it. And I think, um, like I've said, a very good command of tone by Jason Reitman, very good performances by the actors. Um, now... This is not to say the movie is perfect. It has some flaws. Yeah. Um, for, for one thing, I know this This may just be me personally, but I find Danny McBride to be a deeply distracting <laughs> presence on screen. And it's not that he's a bad actor. It's just that I watch Eastbound and Down, so all I can picture him going is like, I'm Kenny Powers! I'm a professional baseball player! Oh, see, so I was picturing the uh, demolition guy in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> that too. I find him to be like it's not it's not him as an actor. His performance is fine here. It's just his vocal tone just makes me think of that, yep. and it kind of threw me out of a couple of the scenes uh, as well. The the woman who plays oh uh, I forgot an additional subplot in the movie is that uh, uh, George Clooney's character, his sister, is getting married yes. to the to the Danny McBride character. Um, but and he has to go to the wedding, and there's some complication there. But that happens later in the movie. But the the actress they got to play the sister is um, oh, I can't remember her name. But you might you'll probably know her best as if you ever have seen Two and a Half Men. She plays Rose on there. I her performance was a little undercooked. I thought I I I understand like I understand that there weren't many scenes with her, and you can't really develop a character that much. At the same time, I, I kind of thought it was a little bit uh, not at, up to par with the rest of the performances in the movie, which I am. Yeah, I found her character kind of overstated at times. Yeah, like, she was a little a little bit so, too much of that typical kind of... Homey, housewife sort kinda. of role. Yeah, I, I think they yeah. could have done with a little more yeah. complicated Wh- Which there. also doesn't really make sense considering that the rest of the family is very different from that. Like, Clooney is completely aloof, and his sister, his other sister... Yeah, um, is pretty a pragmatic sort she, of person. She's very pragmatic. She does. She only values connections as much as she can, what she can get out of them. Like, it's it's shown that she's, like, divorced, and she's just in, like, this angry kind of settlement. and yeah. So there's that aspect. That was a couple of the th- flaws I found. Um, another thing, like I said, it, the movie might not date very well. It, it yeah. might sort of uh, reveal its flaws more as you go along. And the other thing is um, a lot of people might not like the ending. And, and, and here's the thing. I like it and I dislike it because the thing is I like that it's ambiguous and it's elliptical, but it also has the same problem as the as the ending of No Country for Old Men and that there's – there's no real conclusion. It just kind of ends. You don't know. And and yeah. in a way, that's perfect for the thematic concerns of the movie. But it doesn't give you the resolution that you want. What? Like, I would have liked maybe something a little more concrete. Not like everything is finished in a pat resolution. Something a little more concrete, maybe. Yeah. Well, that was my big concern with it, is that... It kind of extends itself thematically without really tying up the themes, at least, down to something. Um, 
I found that like a few things, like for instance, the electronic communication. And yeah, that, that never really reaches a conclusion. They never kind of, and I don't expect a movie to, to kind of come out and finger point and say blah 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 blah. But it never really reaches a resolution with that. It just no, kind of it's just there. Kind of a loose end. Yeah, and that's what bugged me about this movie is that there's just there's a lot of loose ends. Yeah, but. On the other hand, doesn't that fit in with the theme of the work? Doesn't it, it, that yeah. sort of fit in with the uncertainty of the time it's depicting? Yeah. So there's two, there's two sort of ways you could argue that one. Yeah, and I know that that combined with kind of the jarring turn that it takes a bit, it, it really off-puts some critics. But Yeah, it would off-put so, some people. I, I, I don't think the tone is that jarring, though. I, no, I, I it's think not it eases nearly into as it. I think it's ease, it eases into it. Yeah. Like, it starts off comedic and it, it slowly 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 gets a little more dramatic a little more good comparison is a airplane landing basically yeah, it's not yeah. like it, it drifts into it it's it's not it doesn't suddenly go for those total shifts like uh who's the king of that tyler perry his movies yeah i find i think he's an okay screenwriter but his style of very sentimental moment outright farcical comedy right next to each other just distracts me, yeah, and I can't really get into his movies because of that. I'm also a racist. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But the the same... I don't think this movie has that problem. I think it works mostly together. Yeah, it, there's a good flow to it. Um, and there's, again, combined with some of the interesting scenes, another one that I was thinking of just now is uh, another subplot is that Clooney um, is trying to basically just in order to prove his aloofness, kind of, he's... Um, oh, he wants uh, to get 10 million uh, frequent flyer miles because only six other people have ever done this. They explain that. In the movie. Yeah, yeah, they explain that. And that's one of the themes that's t uh, tied in really well, and I think that's resolved. Well, I think but, that's the main theme of the movie is, is, is yeah. connection. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and I think um, there's an interesting <laughs> scene where... Um, they have, I, I believe it's the um, chief pilot or something. Yeah, the of, chief pilot of the, of the airline. Of the airline. Yeah, he comes comes into the plane and he sits down with Clooney. And Clooney had been looking forward to this moment, you know, all of his all of his life basically, or at least since he started yeah, working with. But he can't make the connection with him. Right? No, he can't. He can't do it because because of something that happened earlier in the movie, which we won't spoil. Yeah, and it just reinforces that he still can't make a connection with someone. He's still very lost and adrift, kind of. And at the same time. It's interesting, uh, the choice of words, where um, the uh, chief pilot says, uh, we reward loyalty. Like we. Yeah, it's odd because he's loyal to this company, but yet loyal to no person. Yeah, loyal to no person. So it's sort of like this thing about, about how loyalty shifts and, and yeah. what it means. Yeah, it's like he's loyal to being adrift. He's loyal to traveling. He's not loyal to... Any person or anything, really. Like, yeah. Well, he uses he he's also a motivational speaker sometimes, and he uses this metaphor about how everything in your life you put it into a backpack, and and you know it's going to be really heavy, like all the relationships, all the uh, all the stuff you have, all that kind of stuff. And he doesn't want that, you know, the heavy backpack, as he calls it. But yet, as the movie goes on, maybe he does. Yeah. He he's he's kind of. Again, it never says definitively one way or the other. It's not like one of these movies like, as I said, The Family Man, where it kind of it kind of says, no, this is the right way to go. It, it never really 
states an opinion one way or the other. It's yeah. just it's a it's a character study more than anything. Yeah, which I found um, I found that interesting too because it's. It doesn't define its morality for you. It, it leaves it ambiguous because I can see both sides of it. I can see, I personally, I have a bit of a fear of being tied down to anything for too long. But yeah. at the same time, I realize you can't just live your life as like a drifter, yeah. basically. I think it so. just kind of presents this to you and then lets you put your own conclusion. Yeah, and into it. and that's the ambiguity again. Is that what do you do? How do you decide this kind of thing? Yeah, and it never clearly says one way or the other, and that's what yeah. makes it a, 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 more, a yeah. superior film. And, and there's arguments for and against, too. And and, it, and characters are voicing the arguments yeah. throughout the movie. And it's almost, it is kind of a, 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 almost a Socratic dialogue in a way. It, it is. Um, the interesting thing, uh, the interesting scene for the argument of kind of drifting around is uh, I found... Uh, the one scene where Clooney's actually consoling the uh, husband of, or the husband to be of his sister, and he just goes on, and and uh, the husband to be goes on and says, uh, "So that's life. You kind of get married, you, you have, have kids. kids, and then you die." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that sort of creates the argument, but then. Clooney actually makes a counter argument to him. He can yeah. see it's sort of about how he he's he's now sort of seen both sides, but then later in the movie, not so much. Yeah, it, it's like both sides don't even seem to work for him because he doesn't want to be alone all his life, but he can't stand being tied down. So. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, and it's kind of foreshadowed very early in the movie. Um, when he comes back home to his apartment, which is very, it's not furnished at all because he never really Very, goes. very Spartan is the yeah, best way to very, describe very it. very Spartan. And uh, he meets, I think it's one of his neighbors who's a girl, and he just says, oh, you want to come over tonight, blah, 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 you know, I, I'm not doing anything. And then she says, oh, I'm engaged now. And I think that's kind of foreshadowing for the rest of the movie about how, like, he used to have something with this person, but now that person has moved on, has made a deeper connection with someone else, but he's still living in this crappy bachelor apartment. Yeah. Well, he's not even living there. That's the well, thing. Well, no, he's, he's not. He just basically... His life is travel. Yeah, his life is travel. He's, he's a drifter. So I think that's about all we have to say about the movie. Right? Yeah, so... Um, okay, so your, what's your least favorite part? The... The resolution. There's not enough, at least, incorporating of the other themes. They're just kind of they're like Clooney. They're left to drift, kind of. They're not really, at least, tied in, and then made into a cohesive direction where the movie ends. I don't mind the fact that the movie ends like indecisively with an ambiguity to it. I just wish it would be present like a united kind of a united front, a united ambiguity. <laughs> uh. I'll, I, I somewhat disagree with you there, but that's fine. Uh, my least favorite part, as I said, I find Danny McBride distracting. It's not any fault of his. It's mine. I gotta, I don't know, erase the memory of he's bounding down. But why would you want to do that? He's bounding down. It's hilarious. But um, other than that, just there was one or two performances in the movie I didn't think were up to the quality of the rest. Not, not terrible performances, but just sort of not up to the quality of the rest of them. And as I said, the movie may not date very well. It's very contemporary. Yep. Okay, so, so uh, favorite part. Favorite part, I just love the themes that it presents. I love – it's a great commentary on, like, modern life right now, and I I really like the themes that are presented. I like Clooney in it especially. I 
It's a well done movie. Yeah, uh, like I, like Adam said, very good performances, uh, very d- good direction from Whiteman, good command of tone, interesting imagery, and it's a movie that has things on its mind. It's not, it's not brainless. It's entertaining. It's not a didactic dialogue. It's not no. a French New Wave film. It's entertaining. And it's, it's got comedy, but it also has themes on its mind as trying to explore them. And I think that's what I like the most about it. I like that it, it's entertaining, but it's also it's got, it's got ideas and it's smart. I think that's what yeah. I like about it the most. Okay, so out of ten, what do you give this? Mm, hmm. That's a tough one. I'm going to say eight and a half. Eight and a half? I'm also, I was also going to say eight and a half out of ten. So, uh, yeah. That's about all we have to say about Up in the Air. Now, next time we're going to do <coughs> something a little different. Um, we've decided that there's a lot of movies coming out in 2010. So what we decided to do is we're each going to make a top ten list of what our most anticipated movies of the year are. And then we're going to uh, come on the show next week. We're going to talk about that list. We're going to go compare down Compare and contrast. Compare them. and contrast. Talk about why we're looking forward to certain movies. And uh, maybe we'll inform you about something that you haven't heard about already. So I guess that's it for us for now. So as always, I'm Cody Vance. I'm Adam Barrett. And as always, you can email us, words gmail.com, madementellthetales.blogspot.com. And thank you as always to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music as the opening and ending themes. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>